Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Let me just give you a heads up today, man. If I get a little emotional today, it's because I am. That's because we are not just joining in with all of our locations all over the DFW area and in Mexico. We are not just joining in with everybody joining in with us online. Guys, today, right now, in this moment, we are gathering with billions of Christians all over the globe to celebrate, that's right, the greatest event in human history on which our faith is built. Listen, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive, and because he walked out of the grave, you can walk too. And what that means, that's right, what that means is that chains can be broken, addictions can be freed, relationships can be restored, the blind can see, the lame can be healed, and the dead can be resurrected in Jesus' name. Come on, man. Okay, well, um, I got a lot of good news. Like, there's a lot of good news to talk about today. Um, I do just want to do this. Um, Lake Point family, um, we have not just thousands, but actually tens of thousands of uh, guests joining in with us today. Maybe their first time at Lake Point. Hey, Lake Point family, can you help me show our guests how honored we are that they're here? Come on, man. That's right. That's it, man. <laughs> We are unbelievably honored um, that you would join us this Easter. And hey, um, if you're new with us, we actually don't have a lot of traditions here at Lake Point. Um, We do have one that we started a few years ago. On Easter, we take an annual Easter survey, um, primarily because it's the one week of year that everybody shows up on the same week. And so if you could do this, um, I need all of our Lake Point folks to grab it. I need everybody to do this. If you could grab this, it's on the seat in front of you. It says Connect Card, but then on the back it says, 2022 annual Easter survey. Everybody grab that right now. Even if you're not going to do anything with it, it'll make me feel more confident for the rest of the sermon. And so just grab that guy right now, grab that dude, and you are going to help me lead our church right now. So uh, you can, you know, this is how we make sure we've got the right information for all of our Lake Point members. You can update all your stuff. So anyway, name and email address up here, and then there's a spot for prayer requests. And if you're new with us, we want you to know, like, that's a big deal to us. Like every single one of the tens of thousands of these that we will get will be prayed over by hand by a Lake Point prayer team member. So we, we want to pray for you. But then on the back, that's where you're going to help me lead our church. So you'll see at the top, there's a spot where it says, what are the greatest areas of stress that people experience? And, and anytime that I preach something at Lake Point, I always want it to pass what I call the who cares test. Like, is it something that actually helps you? And so if you could check one or many of those boxes, I'm going to take your responses and build a sermon series later in the year responding to what you tell me on this card. So that helps me, number one. Now, number two, if you'll drop down, you look at the bottom of this, there's a question that says, where would you like to see Lake Point open a new campus? 
And we're, very frankly, we're in a season where we can't, we can't open enough uh, uh, new worship services or build enough new parking lots right now. And, and so we're really actively looking at where are the next two or three locations that will open. And I need you to tell me where to come. So you guys uh, fill this guy out and then we'll come back to this uh, later in the message. All right, now, um, if you got your uh, Bible set over to Luke chapter 24, over the course of the next three or four hours, we're going to walk through this passage. And... Um, Everybody that's laughing, those are the people who are new here and have not heard me preach before. And, and here's what we're going to do. Here's what I want to do. Let, let me lead into it like this, okay? Have you ever had a moment in your life that after that moment you knew all the other moments would never be the same? That after something happened, all of the happenings after that thing that happened, you knew nothing would ever be, ever be the same. I have had some of those moments. Um, you go back to 2005, I stood on an Alabama beach um, uh, right across from my uh, now wife, eight months after I met her on a blind date. And she said, I do. And I said, I do. And in that moment, I had two very distinct thoughts. I thought, number one, I barely know this girl. Uh, And then number two, I thought, nothing will ever be the same after this. No moment will ever be the same after this moment. Um, You fast forward a few years, and Jan and I went through uh, four or five years of just struggling with some infertility issues, and then God did something amazing in our lives, and um, I was in a a, a seedy, creepy-looking little office complex in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I walk in, and a lady from an adoption agency handed me the most beautiful little caramel Gerber baby you have ever seen. And she put my now first daughter, Eliana, in my arms, and she looked right at me, and I remember she said, this is your daughter. And in that moment, like I knew, like no moment in my life will ever be the same after this moment. A few years after that, um, pastor named Steve Stroop called me at 9.30 one night about five years ago. It was after his bedtime and after my bedtime. And uh, he called and I was on the way home from a meeting and Pastor Steve just said, Josh, I want you to consider becoming the next pastor of Lake Point Church. And God did something like really fast in my heart. And, and I knew, I knew my life will never be the same after this moment. Fast forward a little farther after that, we moved here. We get here. As soon as we move here, all of you start telling me about this restaurant we didn't have in Nashville. And so everybody was like, oh, you got to try it. You got to try it. You have to try in and out Burger. And so like, so I like literally after the first time I ever preached at Lake Point, I beeline to the closest In-N-Out burger I ordered from the dude in the funny hat off the secret menu. Somebody told me. So I do this thing and I took my first bite out of that burger, a big juicy bite of In-N-Out and it didn't change my life at all. Water burger forever. Come on, man. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> now, can I just point out, y'all were louder for that than Happy Easter. I just, you all you are so Texas, all right? So, now listen, what we're reading right here, this is a moment in Luke 24. It was one of those moments where after this moment, they knew nothing would ever be the same. So pick up with me here in, in verse one. I'm just gonna walk right through this passage. That's what we do here at Lake Point. So it says this, it says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, watch this. The women took the spices. These were the original Spice Girls, watch out. <clears throat> they had prepared and they went to the tomb. Now, do you guys know this? Why were the women going to the tomb with the uh, the spices to prepare the body? Here's why. Here's why I think why. Because they knew if the men were the ones that did the cleanup of Jesus' body, then they were going to need to go and clean up the cleanup. You know, it's like, (laughs) I think every dude has had this spot where it's like, you tell your wife, hey, babe, I cleaned the kitchen. And she's like, thank you. And then you go to bed and she goes and cleans up your cleanup. Okay, that's what I think is going on here. They're like, if Peter, James, and John did it, we better go fix it. So they're going, and then they say this, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. That's why we're here today. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. These are angels. In their fright, the women bowed down on their faces to the ground. But the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? And by the way, that is a very pertinent question in 21st century America. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Let me say it like this. Why are you looking for life in places that cannot provide any life for you? This is a whole different sermon. I wish I had time to preach it. But what I'm saying is that life cannot be found by getting sex stuff and status out here. The only way that you will ever find life is by asking Jesus to come in here and do a work in your life. That's the only way that it will ever happen. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? And then they say this, he is not here. He is risen. Now watch this. I highlighted it for you. Remember how he told you. They're going, bro, don't you remember like, Remember, actually, sis, these are women. (laughs) Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Remember, the Son of Man must be delivered over into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Now, I want to highlight this thing. Remember how he told you. Now, here's what I think these angels were essentially saying. This is a very loose translation. 21st century Josh Standard Version, okay? I think they were going, seriously, bro? How'd you miss that? Because many times before this moment, Jesus had been telling his disciples that crucifixion and resurrection were coming over and over and over. He had been saying, here's the main thing. Let me remind you what the main thing is. He's going, the son of man's going to die. And then on the third day, I'm going to be raised again. And, And I think the angels are going, listen, how did you not take notes on that part of the sermon? Well, that was kind of a big deal. At least three times Jesus told them, them this. Luke 9, 22. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things, and he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. Luke 9, 44. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. You guys heard this for your kids? You watch my lips while I'm talking to you. Jesus is doing that. Listen carefully. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Luke 18. Everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock, insult, spit on him. They will flog him. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise from the dead. Now listen, they've been saying this over and over and over. So I think the angels, when they're there, I think the angels, they're going, I'm shocked you're shocked. Like we're surprised you're surprised. I think the angels that day, they expected all of the disciples to be at the tomb at like dawn on Sunday morning going, Five, four, three, two, here he comes, one. Let's see that fixer-upper. I think that's what they were waiting on. And they didn't have him. Now, let me tell you why this bothers me. This bothers me because all of these disciples had been around the main thing and they had heard a lot about the main thing and they still missed the main thing. Now, let me tell you why this bothers me. All weekend, I've been preaching to tens of thousands of people in packed rooms And listen, here's why this bothers me, because it's possible for you. It's possible for you to spend your entire life around the main thing and hear a lot about the main thing, and you miss the main thing. Now, now listen, this is what I mean. Like, man, as I'm looking out, I'll be really honest. All y'all look real saved. Everybody looks like they're going to heaven. You like, every family, you walked in, you got all the little matching pastels, your kids got little bow ties on, everybody looks really awesome. Everybody looks awesome, y'all look awesome. So everybody looks awesome for I'm at, and... You guys know all the things. You know, like, 
when to come, you know, when, when do we come? Do we RSVP for an Easter service? You know, that stuff. In our services, you know when to sit and when to stand. They usually have three songs and then LP news. And then we said, you know all that stuff. You, you even know, like, you know where to park in order to avoid the Lake Point parking lot hunger games. You know all that stuff. You even know, now some of you did, you're finding that out today. We're working on it. We're working on it, okay. Now you even know, like, vacation schedule. You're like, bro, some of you literally did this. Three weeks ago, you were like, oh, actually, we can't plan vacation then because free t-shirt Sunday is always two weeks before Easter, and we can't do that. You know all the stuff. You know the spot in the sermon where I say the, the thing and you moo. Like, I say the thing, and like all the letters start, all the words start with the same letter, it like kind of rhymes, and you're like, mm, mm. You know that's, and then you got your little Instagram, and you're like, oh, Pastor Josh is driving fire today. Praise hands, praise hands, praise hands, fire, fire, fire. You know, you're doing that thing. I'm like, yeah, it's so good, it's so good, you know. You're doing that thing. So you know all the things, but it's possible for you to know all the things, be around all the main things, and for you to miss the main thing. So let me just be really, really clear today. Man, the point of all this, the point of everything we do, it's not a building, it's not a worship team, it's not a communication style, it's not new campuses. Here's the main thing. The point is that the Son of Man was delivered into the hands of men. He was crucified for your sins, and on the third day he rose from the grave. And if you miss, that's it, man. That's the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that matters. So I would rather you miss everything else, but make sure that you get that do not miss Jesus. I don't want, in fact, let me just, I don't want you, if you're new to Lake Point, I don't even want you driving away talking about like, oh, that cool church or that funny path. I don't want any of that. I want you to drive away going, man, what was that church? Who was that pastor? I don't know, but I met Jesus there. Don't miss, do not miss the main thing. Now watch what happens. Pick up with me in verse nine. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother, uh, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others, uh, the others with them who told this to the apostles. Watch this. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Did you, did you catch that? They didn't believe because their words seemed like nonsense. Now, can I point something out to you? Watch this. These disciples had a lot of doubts. Now, can I say something to you? If you got a lot of doubts, you'd make a great disciple. That's what my Bible's showing me. If you got a lot of doubts, you'd make a great disciple. Because watch what God does in this passage. God does not ignore their doubts. He addresses their doubts with a demonstration. Now, now here's what I mean, okay? Ch check this out. A lot of people miss this in this passage. <laughs> Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why in the world is the stone rolled away from the tomb in this passage? Why is that even there? Literally in this same chapter at the end of Luke 24, Jesus goes full Harry Potter and apparates through a wall. So like, why is the stone rolled away from the tomb? Jesus didn't need that. Well, here's why. The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out, but so that they could see in. See, God does not ignore their doubts. He addresses their doubts with a demonstration. And, and, and listen, here's what I want to do right here. I, I want to show you this in the passage. But like when I, when I write a message, the last thing I do is I pray through every part of the message. And I'm like, God, what do you want to happen in this spot? So here's, here's what I want to happen in this spot. I call this the crazy part of the sermon. My job in the next two minutes is to remind half of you that you're not crazy for believing what you believe and to convince the other half of you that you are crazy for not believing. Okay, so let me do that, okay? 
There is a demonstration, an undeniable demonstration that split history in half that happened right here. Number one, can I just point this out? Every single one of these disciples, all of these apostles, they were willing to die for their belief that Jesus Christ had been physically raised from the dead. They were willing to die for that belief. Okay, Peter was crucified upside down. Matthew was burned at the stake. James was thrown from the top of a temple. That didn't take. So they had to beat him to death with clubs in the head. I could go on and on and on. They were willing to die for this. Now, now can I just point this out? People do not die for something they know is a lie. They don't do that. And 12 for 12, they were willing to do that. No, no, no. Right here's the spot where you may be going, whoa, objection, Josh. Objection. People die for stuff that's not true all the time. That's why I got to take my shoes off at the airport. Now, let me, I'm just going to say it, you know, uh, there we go. Uh, you know, like, man, uh, people die for stuff that's not true all the time. Okay, yeah, 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 but that's not what I said. People will die for something that's not true if they think that it's true. Do you know what nobody will do? Nobody will die for something they know isn't true, okay? Now, do you know what did not happen in this passage? Do you think Matthew was halfway through being burned at the stake and thought, well, might as well go through with the whole thing. You know, quitters never prosper. When he had Jesus' body like back in his garage in a Yeti cooler, you think he was going to do that? No, no. Every one of these guys went to his grave saying, I am a blood witness that that happened. One of these guys was Jesus' brother. Now, if the seriousness of that is not landing on you, you're going to help me out right now, okay? All of our campuses online, you can drop emojis in there. Y'all help me out, okay? Where is everybody? Where are my people who have a brother? Who's got a brother? Who's got brothers? Lock, lock the elbow. Let me see. Everybody look around. I want you to see this. I'm, I'm going to prove something real quick. Everybody look around. That's a lot of people, okay? Now, put them down. Now, everybody everywhere, how many of you have written a worship song to your brother? Yeah, exactly. I get a real low hit rate on that question, Okay? <laughs> Now, let me ask you this question, okay? What would your brother have to do to convince you he was the son of God? Now, listen, I got it. <laughs> Some of you are having conversations right now. Okay, listen, I got a brother, and he's a good dude. He's like my favorite person in the whole world. I got a brother. But if my brother one day was like, behold, you know, <laughs> I'm the son of a God, you know? I'd say, man, you're a son of a something, bro, but it ain't God. You know, that's it, man. You're something. But Jesus' own brother was willing to die attesting to the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that he was God. Why? Because that stone wouldn't roll away so he could get out, but so that they could see in everybody. It was an undeniable fact that Jesus was the one that died, was raised, and then appeared to more than 500 people everywhere. And it was proof that he conquered the only enemy that nobody else anywhere has ever been able to conquer, death itself. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He just said, man, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And then he proved that he himself was the only way to come to the Father except through him. Now, here's what I mean, okay? That same demonstration is still active now. So I, I just want to, now, just track with me. I'm going to say some things that aren't like quite politically correct, but they are biblically correct. I just want to, so just, I want you to see this. The difference between Christianity and every other religion, worldview, and philosophy in the world is in every other religion, worldview, and philosophy in the world, the adherents to that faith travel to the gravesite, the burial site of their faith's founder, 
and they can see the great, they can see the spot where that person is buried, and they make pilgrimages there to meditate and pray and remember what that person said. So, so like, this is for all of them. So, like, for instance, this here, this is the Temple of the Tooth in Sri Lanka. And every year, thousands, actually tens of thousands of Buddhists travel to this spot where one of the teeth of Buddha is buried underneath that temple, and they pray and meditate, and they remember the things that their dead, buried founder left them. Okay, this next one. This this is the tomb of Confucius in China. And every year, tens of thousands of people who practice Confucianism, they travel to this spot and to the burial place of their religion's founder, and they remember, at his gravesite, they remember the things that he said. They make pilgrimages there. This last one, this is the mosque of the prophet in Medina. And every year, millions upon millions of Muslims, they travel to that place. It's like a holy pilgrimage. They travel to the final resting place of the founder of their religion, and that is their spot to go. Now listen, Christians have no such place to make a pilgrimage to because he ain't in there. He was raised from the dead, and now he lives. Jesus lives to give life to everybody who calls on his name. He is not dead. He has risen, and if he walked out of that tomb, that means that you can walk too. So listen, here's what I'm driving at. Christianity is not based on a story or a feeling or a philosophy. It's based on a historical event. Guys, this happened. This happened. It split history in half into AD and BC. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, rose from the dead. And because he did, more songs have been sung to him, more paintings painted of him, more books written about him than anyone else in human history. And today, one out of every three people on earth worship him as God. This happened. Okay, this happened. Now, that Jesus changed the world is undeniable. The only thing that is left in question is, is can he change you? So that this happened, like that, that, that's, that, that matters. But what's really important is why. So awesome, Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. That's correct. Why? Okay, why? Well, did you notice in this passage that the, both the angels and Jesus, they use a really interesting word. They said, the son of man, quote, must be delivered into the hands of men and must be crucified. Did you notice that? And then later in the passage, Jesus says it was, quote, necessary. Okay, now, let me explain why they use those words. Now, again, I'm going to say something that's not politically correct, but is biblically correct, so just track with me, okay? When they use the word must, what they're saying is that there was a spiritual reality in place so that it had to happen this way. In other words, there was a problem. That had to be solved. And the death of the Son of God was the only way to solve it. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Okay, track with me. We live in a culture in which you are highly incentivized to view yourself as a victim. So like in our culture, like man, we don't actually even talk about sin anymore. People don't really sin. They just make mistakes. And if you did sin, it wasn't your fault. It was somebody else's fault. It was your parents' fault or it was the system's fault or somebody else who did something to you. It was all their fault. Now listen, some of that stuff is true. But when Jesus said that he must be crucified, what he was saying is that you are not just a victim that's been sinned against, you are a villain who has sinned. And you may go, oh, you may go, oh, that's offensive. Listen, me too, bro. Me too. We are in the same spot. Can, can I just point this out? God started by only giving us 10 rules. Like literally just 10. You can do anything you want. 
just these 10 things. And if I had time, I'd go through and show you, you are 0 for 10. Like legit, you're 0 for 10. That what the Bible says is at the heart level, at the level of desire, at the level, at, at, the, at the heart uh, and desire level, at your heart level, you are an idolatrous, adulterous, murderous liar. And you may go, man, no, I'm not, that's offensive. Okay, uh, let me just, I'll pick one. Let me show you one example, okay? Hey, how many of you, when you updated your iPhone and read this, you read, I have read all the terms and conditions? <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going. <clears throat> and then you click the box. Thou shalt not lie, liar, okay? <laughs> now, I can do that for all of them. Now, you may hear that and you're like, well, you know, yeah, but I'm going to do enough good things to make up for the bad things and that kind of thing. Well, number one, I can just show you that at the heart level, like you're 0 for 10. Like, you, you actually, you can't do enough good things because you're 0 for 10 at the heart level. But then two, just real practically, can I be really honest? Some of you guys are at an age, a stage in your life where like, you're way past the point in the semester where you can make enough good grades at the back half to make up for what you did the first half. <laughs> like, you guys experiences in college? Whereas you get to that spot in the semester, you start doing math, and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna have to make 173 on a final to get a C, you know? <laughs> like, some of you are there right now. And so you're 0 for 10 on God's rules. But and can I say this? You, if you don't believe that, you can't even keep your own rules. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Like, think about this. What if God, imagine this, if God only judged you on the basis of the things you said that you would and would not do, the promises you made about what you would and would not do, you'd be condemned just by your own rules. Guys, it's Easter. Just a few months ago, like all y'all, you, you were making New Year's resolutions. And like for a lot of you, like your New, your New Year's resolution was like, oh man, I'm, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. You know, it's Easter, 25 more to go. You know, it's like you can't even keep your own rules. You can't do that. So watch this. All of this, what the Bible is showing us, check this out, is that the problem is not out here. Your problem is in here. That the heart of the problem is you have a sin problem in your heart. You are not a mistaker in need of a life coach. You are a sinner in need of a Savior. Hey guys, listen, what Jesus did, what his crucifixion did is the crucifixion, it erased your bad sinful past. But watch this, the resurrection provided you with a glorious future. Guys, what you're seeing here is, is you're seeing this. What you're seeing is that a sin against an eternal and perfect God requires etern either it requires eternal and perfect punishment or it requires the payment of an eternal and perfect sacrifice. See, see ch check this out. We all, we all instinctively understand this spiritual logic. Do you guys understand this? That the, uh, the seriousness of a sin is not just what you did, it's who you did it to. So for instance, if you get out of one of these services, you walk out in the parking lot and you kick a car. It's like nothing's going to happen. Your foot might hurt. Nothing's going to happen to you. If you walk out and you like kick a dog, okay, you may get community service. You go home and you kick your wife, you need to go to jail. If you kick a cat, they actually send you a ward in the mail. I didn't know if you knew that. That's kind of thing, okay? But we know this. We know that a sin, the seriousness of a sin, the seriousness of a sin isn't just what you did, but who you did it to. So check this out. A sin against the eternal and perfect God requires either an eternal and perfect punishment or it requires the payment of an eternal and perfect sacrifice. And guys, what the cross was is God is holy so, pun so payment for sin had to be made, but God is love, so he made that payment himself. 
Guys, the Bible just says like this. It says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What God's saying is he's going, man, I actually want to make a trade with you. God's going, hey, would you please, would you give me all of your sins, all of your failures, all your shame, all of your broken relationships, every failure you've ever had, could I have that? And then he's going, would you please let me give you the perfection of Jesus? Everything he did right, all of his wonder, his glory, his sinless life. Could we please make that trade? That God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that when Jesus went to that cross, listen, when he was beaten to a pulp, when the skin was scourged off of his back and nails were slid through his wrists and ankles, and he died naked and ashamed, choking in his own blood. Guys, he wasn't just being crucified for you. He was being crucified instead of you. God made him who knew no sin to be sin at the cross so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. Now watch this. The story doesn't end there. Like I said, the crucifixion of Jesus erases your bad past, but the resurrection of Jesus provides you with a glorious future. You see, the death of Jesus wasn't the end of Jesus. Jesus' final words were, it is finished, not I am finished. And if he's not finished, then you're not finished. That there is, that's right, that there is a power. There is a power available to you that can happen. The Bible says it like this. It says that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead can be at work in you. A power so effective that actually the Bible's like, man, if anybody's in Christ, they become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So that that power activates in your life so strongly that once it enters you, you don't have to do the things you used to do anymore because in Christ, you're not the person you used to be. So the, the Bible says like this. I love this. Check this out. It just says this in 1 Corinthians. It says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And check out this word. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first fruits, okay? Now, I'm not a farmer, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn one time, okay? You guys know what a farmer is or what a first fruit is, okay? The first fruits, that's when a farmer looks out at his crop and it's that first bud. It's that first ear of corn, the first appearance of his crop in the entire field And whenever a farmer sees that first fruit, what he knows is he knows, now the rest is about to come too. And what the Bible's saying when it says that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, was the first fruits of all creation, is it's saying the resurrection wasn't something that just happened to Jesus only. It's something that happened to Jesus first. And that that can happen to you too. Let Let me say it like this. What it's saying is you don't have to just celebrate Easter, you can experience it. That that power can come into your life and make you new. Now, whenever I'm preaching a spiritual point, what I always want to do is I want to preach like the, the concept. And then I want like an illustration to show you the reality of the concept, okay? Now, during this, when I was writing the sermon, I realized, oh, my illustration for this part of the sermon, you're sitting next to my illustrations. Now, here's what I mean, Okay. Um, some of you guys who like, this is your first time to Lake Point, and uh, you walked in and you immediately looked around and you were like, I, I could never belong here. You know, you're seeing all the, you know, it's like the soccer moms with you know, all the pastels are matching and the bow ties and the kids are saying yes ma'am and no ma'am and your kids were cussing in the minivan on the way here and you're like, man, I can, you know, like, 
Like, I, I could ne- you're like, I could never, I could never fit in here. And listen, can, can I just say something? The only reason you could never fit in here is because you don't know the things about these people that I know. That's the only reason you think that. And in fact, if you knew the things that I know about these people, you wouldn't be as comfortable as you are sitting this close to them. Right? Because I know some things about these people. Here's what I know about these people. Some of these people got kicked out of schools for misconduct. Some of them at one point in their life had restraining orders placed on them. Some of them spent seasons of their life in and out of rehab centers. Some of them have had more divorces than they can count on one hand. You are sitting next to parenting failures, convicted ex-convicts, people who have spent time in prison. There is nothing on the internet these people have not viewed. There is no substance that these people have not snorted, swallowed, sniffed, or shot up. These people at one time in their life were full of bitterness and they were full of prejudice. But God changed them. But God changed them. That's right. God changed them. And he didn't change them because they were decent people in need of a second chance. He changed them because they were dead people that Jesus made alive. That's what happened to these people. And listen, the reason they're clapping is they're going, yes, that happened to me. And watch this, that can happen to you. That can happen to you. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead can live in you so that you don't have to do the things you used to do because in Christ you're not who you used to be. So listen, that can happen for you, but listen, you have to receive it. And I'm begging you, I'm begging you, Jesus has done everything necessary for your past to be forgiven and your future to be empowered, but you have to receive it. Okay, there's something that happens in this passage over and over and over. And it just says this. It says, and he appeared to them. (laughs) Over and over. And he appeared to them. And he appeared to them. They had an experience with the living God. Listen to me. New information will not save you. You need divine revelation. And Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came so that he could have a relationship with you. Like he wants to know you. And he wants you to know him and to experience him. But, but watch this. You've got to receive that. And the only way you can do it is by faith. Some of you right now, you are going to make an earthly decision that determines your eternal destiny. You're going to do that right now. And the Bible says, it's really clear. It's really simple. Here's how the Bible says you do that. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, would have eternal life. So at Lake Point, we just like to say it like this. We just say, God loved, so he gave. And if you believe, you will receive. Now, this is a spot in the sermon where usually I would go, okay, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm not gonna do that today. Here's what I'm gonna do. I actually want you to go back to the survey we started at the beginning of this message. So will you grab this? Everybody grab this right now. Just, again, you're boosting my self-esteem. Just grab this guy. And all, I'm not asking you to make a decision right now. All I'm asking you to do is just to self-identify where you stand with Jesus. That's all I'm asking, okay? Now, this is really important because watch this. Only a fool goes through life unprepared for what's inevitable. And this is coming, man. What will you do with this man called Jesus, Pilate said. That's the most important question. So here's what I want you to do. You'll see these boxes at the bottom just labeled A, B, C, and D. And check this out. I want you to check A if you're like, man, I'm already in a relationship with Christ. And listen, I'm not talking about like, you know, I try to obey the Christian rules. I'm not talking about like, you know, I go to church. 
I'm not talking about, well, ah, you know, I'm, probably, I'm not an atheist. I'm probably not a Muslim, so I guess I'm a Christian. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like you have a, a living relationship with Jesus. You check A, okay? Now B, I want you to check B. Some of you, like you've been around Lake Point for a few weeks or maybe actually just like an hour and something's like stirring in you and you're realizing like, man, I need to cross a line of faith. I, I need what these people have. And if that's you, that's, that's God pursuing you to make you a child. And so if that's you, if you're like, man, I just, I want you to check B if you're like, I, I want to begin, I need to begin a real relationship with Jesus. Check B. Now C is actually why this church exists, <laughs> okay? I want you to check C if you're like, man, honestly, I just need some time to consider it more first. I got some things to think about. So like you can keep hanging out with us. In fact, we say this at Lake Point. This is a place where it's okay to belong before you believe. You just hang out, stick around, wash out. It's going to get on you. I'm just going to warn you now. You know, it's going to get on you. But you're just like, I need to consider it more first. Now, last one is I want you to check D. I've got a soft spot for, for the Ds, okay? Uh, I want you to check D. If you're just like, man, I just want to be really honest. I don't ever intend to make that decision. So right now, I want you to just self-identify. Where do I stand with Jesus? A, B, C, or D, okay? Now, if you are one of the B people, um, I wanna help you do what you want to do, okay? And so at all of our campuses, um, if you could, everybody, bow your heads and close your eyes right now. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're realizing that you need to cross a line of faith and begin a relationship with Christ for the first time, um, would you just pray this prayer with me from a sincere heart? Just pray this. Just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. Silently in your seat, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I have lived for other things besides you first. Pray this, but I believe Jesus died for my sins. That somehow, some way, that crucifixion counted for me. And I believe that he rose from the dead. Pray this, from this day forward, as best as I know how, I will live for you first. I receive the gift of salvation by faith alone. Thank you, God, for making me a son or daughter. Now keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And um, if you prayed that prayer and like you're crossing a line of faith today, um, I'm gonna ask you when I count to three, on the count of three, to just slip your hand up in the air real high. And here's why I'm doing this. Um, because I believe something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. And, and listen, don't ever let somebody make you ashamed of what God is doing in your life. So you be bold, okay? So on the count of three, if that was you, um, raise your hand up in the air real high, okay? One, God loves you. Two, you came here for a reason today. Three, lift your hand up in the air right now, real high. Real high right now. Wow. Real high. Keep them up. Man, keep them up. Like, man, that's for me. God, I'm coming home. I need to receive that grace. 
I want to be your son or daughter. Wow. Man. Man, amen, amen, amen. Hey, Lake Point family, can we celebrate like more people than I could possibly count? That's right, man. Entering into new life. Man, that sin is paid for. Resurrection power available. Man, we're going to talk more about like what to do with that here in a second in the service. Um, But while we're celebrating so many lives being changed, I want you to see an example of another life being changed in our church right now. I think it can be hard to trust the Lord during hard times because it's in our flesh, it's in our DNA, it's what we run to. When my mom passed away, I was in the middle of my addiction and we weren't at a point in our relationship that was healthy. Unforgiveness set in towards myself, resentment, shame and guilt. After weeks and weeks of just laying awake at night, it just really consumed me. And I needed, I needed help. I needed something different. I just didn't know what it was. So I made a decision to go to a maternity home called Sailor Creek. I met with the director. She pointed me towards Lake Point. It was a good church. The praise and worship was great, and they had attended with the moms. I made it a point to go to the next step class. And then I got baptized and that day was really, it was a really good day for me. And I remember going under the water and coming up and feeling lighter. Like my whole presence, like my being felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders and it was the best feeling. It's a really big deal. My journey to faith and and to community and being vulnerable to other people with my feelings has been a really big deal. To work through the trauma of, of not trusting people to trusting the people around me and trusting that God places people in your life for a reason to help you and and support you as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this new identity that I have is just warm and welcome and, and bubbly and loving and I feel like a whole new person. From the very beginning, my mindset was, I have to do this alone, but I, I saw the seeds planted by the Lord. Like I literally just like walked into a brand new family that I never knew I would have. The life group I connected uh, to, they would take me out to lunch and get to know me and just kind of see who I was before and how far I've come and love me for who I was. They prayed for when I needed a car, they prayed for my education and just my life and the future of me and my daughter. I had a job at a nursing home and the maternity home was my means of transportation. And so the day that I moved into Arms of Hope, I was so nervous. I was so full of anxiety about not having a vehicle that I just decided to just surrender to God. And two days later, Lake Point called with a car and I cried. I mean, I cried and I cried and I cried and I was so thankful. I was so thankful. My life before the maternity home, before Lake Point, before Arms of Hope, was the feeling of being worthless. The love of people around me helped me to accept that I was worthy. I felt that God loved me. 
I felt that he had called me for a higher purpose. There was a bridge and it was nothing but God. It was definitely him saying, come on, you are loved, you are worthy. He's, he's given me eternal life. And that's the best gift I could ask for. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.